This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and use promo code PCPer at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 484 being recorded on... Damn it. Uh, January the 24th, <laughs> 2018. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Elstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. And I'm Alan Valentano. It might have been the most dramatic. He was busy trying to type turn. in. He was trying to type in his uh, thing on the show notes. I think. Oh, I see. We caught him yeah. mid type, yeah. so to speak. Caught yeah, with his pants actually, down. You know, putting pen to paper, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't sound like you. No. Only Josh like seems like the month. kind of guy who would write handwritten love notes to people right i just meant that he doesn't write oh that's more accurate yeah. Yeah. yeah have you tried writing a handwritten note lately i i actually i actually um i still transcribe i don't transcribe i still write notes like at meetings like for work meetings that i'm on conference calls and stuff okay on a uh physical pad of paper it's a small physical pad of paper that fits in my back pocket very convenient for at like ces or like that carrying it with you and you became a hipster and switched to moleskin notebooks. I did. I did. <laughs> I, tr- I tried signing my name in a legible manner today. I gave up. Uh, yep. I've never been able to do that. I, I, I never yeah. attempted to do that. I was, like, I was signing something. I was like, people might need to be able to read nah. the signature. Squiggle, squiggle, squiggle. And uh, Yeah. No. I've just gone full squiggle. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We talk about computer hardware sometimes on this. Earlier, we thought we were going to do a um, airline discussion, airline pricing it discussion. Was, it was podcast. a roaring discussion that may very well have spilled over onto the podcast. Uh, but uh. I feel like that's probably not what people want. So instead, we'll just talk about hardware for a little bit. Uh, we do record this show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at PCPer.com slash live. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We have a live chat room. I guess there's no reason to have a not live chat room. <laughs> so no, have, you have to send handwritten letters we to have, the chat room. We have a chat room there uh, so you can interact with us. Uh, you can even, if you want to talk to Kyle Bennett, sometimes he stops in there and makes fun of us sometimes. during the show. Um, so that that's worthwhile. Uh, you can join us at pcper.com slash live. If you need a reminder, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe. And this is basically just a simple form. You give us your name and your email, uh, and we'll send you a notification through email, not like a browser pop-up, not a, a text message, any of that garbage. Um, straight to your inbox, you know, two hours, an hour, straight 30 minutes spam before. Folder. Yeah, yeah, straight to your spam folder. Uh, we don't let anybody else access this. We don't use it for sales or purchases or other crap like that. So sign up for that if you want. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And, of course, we still have our Patreon campaign running. That is at patreon.com slash PCPer. This is your ability to uh, directly contribute to us should you feel the desire or the value behind it. Um, if you run an ad blocker, if you think the videos that we do are funny, uh, if you think all those special edits that Jim does to the mailbag, like maybe Josh is a Street Fighter character, are, are worth $5 a month to you, you can absolutely do that. It can be, it can be $1, 3 5 10 20 $30 a month, up to whatever you want. Uh, we greatly appreciate every, each and every one of you that do that. As is always the case, if you become uh, or increase your patronage during the show – we will give you a shout out on the show like we are right now uh, as Lord Hogg has just <laughs> become a new Patreon uh, subscriber for $5. Thank you very much, Lord Hogg, for your support. I feel like that quote's going to be used against me sometime in my life. 
the the Patreon stuff does allow us to do cool things like the mailbag I mentioned earlier. This one here is episode number twenty seven. Uh, we answer questions such as what is a core? Where are the FreeSync two monitors? What is the day-to-day of Shroud Research? What is Shroud Research? Maybe you don't know what that is. Uh, Ryan's fallback career. Um, <laughs> is also, that Shroud Research? Also an interesting discussion. <laughs> Hairstyle tips. Also very important. We talked about uh, Steve from Gamers Nexus and whether or not he should cut his hair. Oh, uh, yes. Right? I think this is a very important discussion. Yes. Uh, I bet Kyle would have some input on this on should Actually, long-haired hippies have to cut their hair. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? You know? Mm-hmm. Or color. If we gave Steve from Gamers Nexus Alan's haircut, how much would his channel suffer because of it? I think greatly. Probably a lot. I think greatly. Uh, so uh, check that out if you find that interesting. You can go. You can find those on uh, youtube.com slash pcper or just go to pcper.com and you'll find them uh, in the spot there too. So let's get into the reviews and stuff for the week. We're going to start with uh, talking with Ken actually who's sitting behind the switcher again as Alex is apparently never returning to us. And we'll be on eternal vacation. He's lost at sea from our weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, was, he started on a three-hour tour. That was two weeks ago. So I've never actually I've never actually had to interact with somebody who legitimately has no digital contact with the outside world yeah, for seven goes, days at a time. When he goes on vacation, he really goes on vacation. When I'm like, hey, is, are you back on Wednesday? And I don't get a reply until Saturday because, oh, I came back to the island and found Wi-Fi. Yeah. My, oh, so okay. then I can tell you that I'm taking one more week. Uh, another week. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but let's talk to Ken instead about the Dell Inspiron 13 7373, a very sexy name. This is really – this is one of, one of my legitimate problems with, uh, I guess, product naming in general. It's not really a Dell problem. Is that the Dell Inspiron 13 is a product that's been around for a long time. And then you have these submodels. But Dell doesn't – uh, expose these submodel numbers. Very they're getting better. Better at are it. they? Okay, yeah, with like the it, XPS fit thirteen and and this model, they're getting better at putting it higher level on their website. Are they okay? Because yeah. Lenovo was guilty of this at the same time too. It'd be the new X one Yoga or whatever it was, but you wouldn't really know unless you knew what specifications look for if you were getting the twenty fifteen model, the twenty fourteen model, or or what have you. So uh, the Dell Inspiron thirteen seventy three seventy three is a two in one. Is this comparable to the XPS thirteen two in one essentially? Uh, no, because it uses the 15-watt parts instead of the Core M that oh, the 2 okay. one uses. But is it the same kind of form factor and size? Uh, no, it, it's definitely thicker. This is more like the Idea Pad Yoga. It's not like the X1 Yoga that are super thin, but more of like the okay. – it's, it's more mainstream than flagship laptops like the XPS 13 and the Spectre right. and stuff like that. So what's uh, – Specification wise, we're looking at Core i5. So these are eighth gen parts, right? So these are mm-hmm. this is actually a quad core hyper threaded uh, platform starting at eight seventy nine uh, with a ten eighty p thirteen point three inch screen, integrated graphics. Obviously, uh, the model they sent us has eight gigs of RAM, two hundred fifty six gigs of storage, a SATA drive, um, eight hundred two eleven AC. You can see the connectivity options there. What were your kind of takeaways from the uh, either the internal design or the external design as you were looking at it? So quite honestly, this is just – this is a notebook. This is a kind of a, for better or worse, run-of-the-mill notebook. This is what you would expect from a modern, well-built, well-built machine. It's still made of metal. The keyboard still feels really good. It, it seems almost identical to the XPS 13 keyboard, which I know you really like. Mm-hmm. I think it might have a little bit more travel though because it's a thicker design. Uh, plastic trackpad, so it's not like a glass-covered tra- trackpad, but I actually kind of tend to prefer the matte finish as long okay. as it doesn't wear out over use, which we don't. Which we obviously don't know if that will happen because we've only had a couple weeks with it. 
But this is this is what I'm calling the everyman's notebook. It doesn't have super thin bezels, but at the same point, hey, guess what? They could put a Windows Hello IR enabled webcam in the place it should be. At the top, in yeah. the middle. <laughs> yeah. And that's what that is, right? Yeah. Yeah. An actual webcam. It doesn't look up your nose. Yeah. What an awesome idea. It yep. has ports, it has a full size HDMI port. Uh, one thing I'm disappointed with is even though it can apparently charge over Type C, some people in the comments were saying it still comes with a barrel plug charging. Boo. I really yeah. just want to see everyone ditch those and let's go to USB C charging on everything. It's full very size convenient it. to not be tied to your OEM charger. Yep. Yep. Full well, size SD card. I mean, if it's USB, yeah. But if it'll charge with USB C, then you're done. Yeah, but they don't give you one in the box. Oh, sure. But you're not tied to your OEM charger. You just put that you're someplace. Not. And, but then you, you know. have a useless port. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like if you, if it was Type C power delivery, you could also still use it as a USB C port, which would be nice. Yeah. Uh, so what about performance on this guy? Right, it has those quad core parts. It's something we have we have looked at previously. Um, looks like performance is kind of in line with expectations. Interestingly enough, it was a bit above expectations. So I compared this to the other two i7 8550U machines we looked at in our eighth gen performance piece, the Spectre X three hundred and sixty, which is a 15-inch, slightly thicker 2-in-1, and then the ZenBook 3 mm. Deluxe, which is a super thin and light MacBook Air-type 13-inch design. Right. And then we also compared it to the last-gen X1, which is an Ultrabook, and then the Dell Inspiron 15 Gaming from this generation, which is a, a true quad-core H-series part. And in most tests, it won. Kind of the only thing it didn't come ahead in was PC Mark because all of these other machines had PCI Express SSDs in them. So uh, it definitely had a bit of a disadvantage to PC Mark. But if you look at the results there at the top, like it kept up with the machines even with PCI Express SSDs. So Dell, the thermal tuning that Dell did with room. the 8th gen 15 watt CPU, it seems to never really be throttling. It seems to be kind of kicking ass in this form factor. Interesting. What SSD was in there? Did you know? This is a SanDisk X400, which. Okay. Since it's an OEM, you don't know if that will actually be the SC you get, but the one we had is an X400. Yeah, yeah. Which that's uh, that's finally turning around to like halfway decent out of SanDisk. Historically, SanDisk parts were like not the best at like random access. Right. Even for a, you know, they were just like eh, they just get kind of stuttery and stuff like that. The newer ones don't seem as bad. As we might talk about later in the podcast, it's getting kind of difficult to f up a SAT SSD. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone seems to be kind of getting or there. getting harder to differentiate, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. So what about battery life? It, this looked like maybe a, a pain point for it then. This is the one disappointing point I came across. Performance is great. The price is really competitive, especially with sales they've been having, but the battery life sucks. And it's not due to anything other than having a small battery. Whoa. So it's only a 38-watt-hour three-cell battery in it, yep. which is the smallest out of any of the computers we tested. And as you can see, like even the gaming laptop with the eight series part got significantly more battery life because it had a larger battery in it. Yep. And even the super thin and light Zenbook we have on here was a 46 watt hour battery compared to the 38 in this thicker Dell. So interesting. I mean, if you look at the teardown, it doesn't really look like there's a whole lot more room for battery, but I mean, maybe, creative engineering needed to be played. Yeah. In yeah. It's very disappointing. Uh, and what about pricing then? So when I was writing this, it was on sale. This bottom skew we were taking a look at, which is actually an awesome value because the lowest end laptop you can get has 8 gigs of RAM, 
and a 256 gig SSD, which I consider the sweet spot for any notebook. That's how I compare price comparisons for notebooks for people. Is you, you, you want 8 gigs of RAM and at least 256 gigs of storage. I right. still think 512 is a little niche, but 256 is the sweet spot. It was $750 when I was writing this review. Now okay. I think it's up to 800 but still way below the MSRP of 879 So these, lap, these notebooks seem to be on sale pretty frequently. Which is, How, how's, the, uh, how's the screen look? It's not bad. It's an IPS display. I don't think it gets quite as bright as I would like in some scenarios, but it was perfectly passable for anything, really. They probably did that because of the smaller battery, just to try to make yeah. it so the pe- average person that just cranks the brightness up, because there are plenty of people that do that. Oh, sure. They'll just run brightness at max. Yeah, like when we were running our battery test, it was definitely on the higher end. Close we to run full. at 180 nits, so it was, it was close to, it's like 80% backlight or something like that, yeah. I think. Well, it's uh, nice because uh, you know not throwing in like a TN panel or some crap like that to get the price point lower is yeah I, yeah. There's, there's there are really no cons- are, are no cheap. concessions besides the the battery in this thing. Nice. It's, it's interesting. <clears throat> I really didn't expect these quad core parts to come down to this price point this quickly, right? Um, you know, I thought they would be in the Dell XPS 13 for a while and the uh, Lenovo ThinkPad X1. Uh, the flagship models up and see it come down into here and, and be in that $800 price range is actually pretty great, but it puts a, a lot of uh, kind of pressure now on what AMD can do with its Ryzen mobile parts, what mm-hmm. Qualcomm is going to do with its mobile parts in the space, right? Because when they launched at uh, in Hawaii, they were talking, you know, $700, $800 for their, for their top end parts. Um, so it puts it in competitive here with, from a performance standpoint, there will be no, you know, uh, other option than Intel's part will perform significantly better. Um, the battery life question will be uh, probably weighed towards Qualcomm, and then how much do you value the idea of the the LTE connectivity? So, yeah. I mean, this isn't a super sexy laptop, but I think it's something that's pretty good for just yeah. about every user. And in reality, how many people need eight to ten hours of battery life a day? Like, that's a lot of people, like business travelers and stuff. I mean, students yeah. have. Have AC ports in a lot of rooms now, so five to six hours will get you through a study Probably session would. in the library. Like, yeah, that, that's it's not bad. It's just disappointing, right? Fair enough. Uh, before we get into our next story, we got some. We've got some Patreon churn over here. Let's see, uh, Jorge Castro. I feel like we've heard that name before. Is a new pledger of three dollars. Thank you very much, Jorge. Uh, Undermined edited their pledge from five dollars to six dollars. Thank you. Uh, Wayne Prolisco pledged $5 as a new pledge. Thank you very much, Wayne. DJ Nightcat on Twitter just pledged $5. That's awesome. Uh, I'll only ever drink raw water if it comes from Josh Walworth's stream. Just pledged five dollars. <laughs> wow! Uh, oh dear lord! So uh, thank you. Who needs blue milk? Eh? I assume the first name is all only ever. So thank you all only ever uh, for that. And then uh, Ken deserves a raise. Money edited their pledge from ten dollars to twenty dollars. Shit! I think I should get that. So Ken, you got a raise of ten dollars. Hell month. yeah! So congratulations. Oh, and um. Kyle here is doing tricks. Uh, HardOCP.com and HardForum.com edited their pledge from $5 to $1. <laughs> and then edited oh. his pledge from $1 to $5, just so I'd have to say his name no, again. I think even, that's cheating. That is cheating. Kyle's great at marketing. That's true. He is, yep. yes. Viral marketing doing. at his best. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, everybody. And I guess even Kyle uh, for those uh, new pledges. Uh, let's talk hey, about the – Before fr- we, we go yeah, on, go can ahead. I ask a question? You may. 
And it is a serious one. Okay. Remember how Lenovo had that kind of special touch screen thing that you could change it between one or two things? Did we see anything like that this year at, at CES? And do you think that has anybody else showed anything like that? You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. It was a book. It was the Lenovo book or something like that. And uh, the, the, the keyboard was a capacitive touch yep. interface, not really a screen, but you could use it to draw on like a Wacom pad yeah. as well. Um, so we reviewed that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So sort of the real answer to this wasn't out of CES, but in the past couple of weeks, and I read another leak today. Oh, I forget the name of the project, but Microsoft is apparently going to launch a Surface product that is like this, where it's two screens that fold in together on a hinge. It's not a foldable screen necessarily. Right. People don't think. But it's it's two screens, like like the old Courier concept, if you remember that from five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. It's like two actual LCDs that fold together in a book format. And this is kind of going to be supposedly their re-entry into the mobile space. Not necessarily a phone, but maybe more of like a consumer-like tablet Interesting. running Windows on ARM, Snapdragon on ARM. Huh. Like that's going to be their product for Snapdragon on huh. ARM. I hadn't like. seen that yet. Yeah. Interesting. That's been floating around a lot, which is exciting. But no, I don't think we saw anything like that again at CES this year, Josh. And I don't – at the end of the day, I think that device was incredibly niche. It was not good to type on, um, but very interesting just from a, from a design perspective. Lenovo does – it's surprising. Most people don't, don't realize Lenovo does that, but they do a lot of um, – very kind of out of left field or creative or risky design things like that i don't know if i edgy maybe but like just risky stuff like they they the original yoga was that yeah the original yoga was massively successful they did the uh the magnesium body that's true device the super light one it was super light but it was also very expensive and it never apparently turned into another product do you think they invested in that hinge the uh the watch hinge or watch band hinge oh i bet quite a bit yeah for the for these yeah 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 yeah, yeah those are sweet. And they've done a lot of good stuff, uh, but they don't tend to get the edgy credit that like Microsoft gets for its Surface devices or even like Dell gets for the Infinity Edge display and those types of things. So uh, something for Lenovo to, so, to keep an eye out for. Andromeda. Microsoft Andromeda is the project I'm thinking of. So if you okay. Google that, Windows yeah. Central has a good article that runs today sort of recapping all of the rumors. And plus you can sing about it. Yeah. I do or, wish I do wish that that laptop had come out like had been more of a thing because that, magnesium that body was just one? such that it, was a comically it came out and they they like it was a thing like they sold it I yeah, reviewed it it just didn't like catch on because the price was too high I think they right? it had like, a non-standard keyboard because it was literally an NEC laptop with a Lenovo badge on it. oh yeah was the main thing yeah. with it they, de- they just mm-hmm. never followed up on the de- on the idea. I don't think that display so. couldn't get bright enough. It was just, it was just so dang funny right. when it they first... It couldn't get up to 180 nits yeah. to run our battery test. But when they first think. handed it to us and we thought... This was a hollow shell. It was shell. a hollow shell yeah. of a laptop and then open up the screen and it yeah. turned on. I, I would love, to see, I would love <laughs> to see them make an X1 out of that material if they could get the durability out of it. I actually asked them about that when they're doing the... ThinkPad stuff in Japan. They were talking about like, oh, they always researching alternative materials. And I was the guy who raised my hand. I was like, so you remember that uh, lithium yeah. magnesium stuff? And what they said. that? Like, well, that's certainly an area we're still looking into. That shit was answer. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Even, how about plastic? One day, maybe. There was even Man, the moment. I had magnesium parts in my motorcycle just because they wanted to shave off pounds and ounces <laughs> yeah. off of that damn thing. 
Yeah, but there was even moments. Cool there was even style. a moment after they opened it where I was like, "Oh, that's cool. They wired up some. They just have like a pre-printed something on the screen there, so it just lights up and looks like it turns on, right?" Like, you know what the best part yeah. about it is if you're stuck in the wilderness with this laptop, you can <laughs> shave off fire. the outside and make a fire that's 2,000 degrees. Sweet. <coughs> and then you, yeah, Burn that's what I want. That's baby. what I want right next to a lithium ion battery. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Just don't drop it. Seems fine. All right, let's get to our next review. Uh, Sebastian posted this up of the Fractal Design Define R6 tempered glass case. Actually, I saw a tweet today uh, from Fractal Design claiming that there were so many orders for this case that they couldn't keep up. They're originally going to do multiple colors. And they've decided to instead focus on filling all the black coloring orders first. <laughs> oh, we're so popular. Out. I know. Ugh, we're so popular, we can't keep up. Get in any color you want, <laughs> as long as it's black. Um, Slick-looking design. Uh, I, I think, as somebody who looks at these case reviews through the same manner that everybody else is, this reminded me immediately, like, you can tell that this is a fractal design, uh, design, if you will. It is... Uh, e- it does support up to EATX, despite being a... Um, I guess this would be a uh, mid-tower chassis. It's quite roomy on the inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sound dampening steel. I'm not exactly sure what that means maybe, other than maybe thicker steel. Maybe it has a layer on it. Normal. It's got a probably, probably some layer on kind the of uh, epoxy on the outside that stops vibration. And Jeremy, you said it does have a, like a foam and layer too? foam layers on okay. those side panels. All right, fair, oh, enough. Wow. fair enough. Uh, dust filters in the bottom fan and the uh, uh, front fans... A lot of capability here for water cooling. It's one of the other things that they're really known about. Um, yeah, there it is. Okay, so you can kind of see the layering in there. You can see that there is this uh, cover on the top uh, that I guess could be removed depending on if you have uh, the correct coolers installed. Um, standard kind of up top input, tempered glass side panel. It, it does something. It doesn't do like the offset side panel that i think a lot of people do when they when they make this move to tempered glass it still kind of looks like a normal door it is it is a normal door um yeah and here's what the top of the case looks like if you uh, want to use it for ventilation for for water cooling and whatnot um thumb screws installed on both sides of the panels you can see there's that noise dampening uh material they definitely they have i i think this is a great it's still a solid design choice in my uh view to visually and probably from a cooling perspective, separate uh, the different segments of the case, uh, keeping things neat and clean uh, and allowing the the power supply and other areas to, to cool more effectively. You can look at the back and see where the hard drives, SSD mounts are. Um, I like the idea of mounting yeah, SSDs controller. in the back. Yep. A very expansive fan controller good cable routing options uh i still like the the white accents on things um you can see here sebastian has installed the uh 240 millimeter corsair h100i gtx um but you well that gets kind of awful close and down by the it does it kind of interferes with this here i i I guess that's kind of the the pitfall of the of the uh mid-tower designs more or less right Mm -hmm. um yeah, but but a but a good overall design seemed seemed to be easy uh, to put together. There's a completed build again. I think that looks super clean. Yeah, with very minimal effort, uh, and then not as minimal effort 
to, to keep the back clean. I mean, you just bundled Sebastian everything together. Sebastian those Velcro straps. Yeah. How handy is that? Sebastian yeah. does a good job, too. Yeah. He's such a nice boy. He's, he's a very nice young man most of the time. Uh, decent performance in terms of temperatures, kind of right in range with uh, Silverstone's and Inwin's recent cases in terms of noise levels towards the bottom, actually, uh, which, is a, which is a positive. And uh, it did get an Editor's Choice Award, highly recommended from Sebastian if you're looking for a new case. This one apparently is uh, very popular, according to you know, the manufacturer themselves. The people that mm-hmm. sell it. <laughs> <laughs> but Sebastian seemed to like it, so maybe he is the reason why there are so many uh, outstanding sales. I'd buy a case because Sebastian recommended it. I kind of only buy cases if Sebastian recommends it. You don't buy cases. I usually make Sebastian send me the cases he's reviewed that there he you recommends. So is that you better? recommend this case? Yeah, send me that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So check that out uh, if you haven't. Uh, now let's move on to uh, a storage review. Uh-huh. The Samsung 860. Evo Pro and, and Evo, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, these are SATA drives. Just like the 850. Two and a half inch standard uh-huh, SATA uh-huh. drives they're, here. They're, they're going to make the Evo, uh, the Evo only, they're going to make in uh, M.2 and M SATA as well. They still make an M SATA drive. Because they've, they've historically made the 850 <laughs> in those other form factors okay. as well. And there's enough of a market still that they were like, okay, we'll continue to make these. And the capacities. Can't go as high as four terabytes for those form factors, just because they can only fit so many flash packages onto you know into the packaging. So um, it tops off at uh, what is it? It's two terabyte for two terabyte for the M.2, one terabyte for the M SATA. And these are all MLC drives, right? No TLC, no SLC no, the, caching. The, no, the Evos are the regular Evos. I'm sorry. Three bit MOC. It says Ryan. Yeah. That's oh, TLC. Okay. Three bit multi level cell. They which call it is, three bit. They're, yeah, they're, they're priming you for QLC, which they'll call four bit MLC. So yeah, I see. I that's see. just another way to say it. They're the same as what you're used to as far as an Evo okay. Okay. or a Pro. Um, different controller called an MJX. Used to be like, you know, MCX and stuff like that. Sure. Um, capacities right off the bat here. They're Starting off with a four terabyte capacity, right? That's something that with the 850 they were both the Pro and the Evo. Uh, yes. Okay. And they only worked their way up to that with the 850s, and I think they only did that for the Evo. I, I think so. I don't think they did that for the Pro. Um, the warranty actually, technically, if you want to split hairs, the warranty is dropping because the Pro 850 Pro launched with the 10 year warranty. Mm. Um, did the TVW go up or down? Uh, the TBW went way up okay. over the previous models. So the 850s had an issue where they first launched the drives like three years ago, right? And they were on not as many layers of flash mm-hmm. as, as they're doing now, right? They've, you know, we, we did a review well, like a year ago where they went from version 2 to version 3 NAND and, you know, went up to 48 layer and stuff like that. Anyway, um... They were able to do that without affecting performance, and they're still able to do that without affecting performance. The thing is, though, you have three years' worth of flash upgrades, basically. The endurance has actually gone up over time for even the 850. Okay. But their spec, like original, the original specs have remained. They didn't change it. Okay. They didn't change them because you can't just change it on the fly for the same model of a thing. Then somebody would be like, oh, but my drive was it's supposed to It's almost like you shouldn't put different hardware in the same model of a thing uh yeah it's almost like you should just call it a new model right so now that they're finally doing that eh. samsung was able to 
use the endurance specs of their current flash that's shipping. Right. Uh, you know, coupled with the controller, the controller's probably doing a couple other tricks to try to make it even better. Um, all told, you're looking at, um, compared to something like the MX500 as a benchmark, which right. is... A uh, recently released a recent SATA release, SSD. SATA SSD with good endurance. Yep. Um, the Evo of this model is actually double the MX500, and the Pro is like triple as far as the endurance goes. Endurance, okay. Yeah. Um, now, it might be getting to the point where like MX500 was already really high, and that was already higher than the 850, and you don't see a lot of people saying they just expended all of the wear <laughs> out of their 850, <laughs> sure. right? Sure. So it, it's kind of past the point of good enough now, so you know, temper that uh, amazing endurance of this drive because it's a client drive unless you're putting it in a server or something you're in your lifetime. You might not hit, uh, you know, the might not wear this with wear this guy out. Yep. Um, performance specs slightly higher than 850, just generally speaking, like, yeah. you know, a couple of megabytes per second higher, maybe like 10 K IOPS higher here or there. Um, as far as ratings go, right? I like this picture of the internals. Yeah, the internals are even more comical than the 850, actually, um, because that, that middle drive is a one terabyte. So much wasted space. Yeah, that, that middle you know drive is a one terabyte Evo, um, and you can like almost fit chamois. that in. You, you can almost fit that into like a thumb drive. You could put some more flash in there. Is what uh, you could well, put you in could. there. You, you, you put could. the SATA connection on the other end. Even even the SSD. Even the four terabyte Pro model, which you know arguably is more flash dies, and that's the one on the right. That PCB didn't even fill the entire housing. So even that, yeah, you what know, a scam. That's like a that would fit in like a if they even were still produced in volume. I think that PCB would fit in a 1.8 inch form so factor. So now we know why NVMe M.2 drives exist because you don't need a lot of PCB space. Not anymore. Not with things like 64 layer VNAND and especially if you're doing 3 bit per cell and you know you, you could just really stack it stack it high and you're stacking the dies within the packages etc cetera, etc cetera. like you know, you're going vertical within the dies and you're going vertical with the dies themselves and yeah so long story short you can fit a lot of storage in a very small space now um, all right so this is something we've understood for a while sata drive yes what does the performance look like Boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's what my hope was going into this uh-huh SATA SSDs have been bottlenecked by the interface for the max specs, like, for forever. Sure. Now. Max right? throughput. Max throughput. Yeah. Even the max, max IOPS IO. is limited by the interface now. Yeah. Um, the interface isn't going any faster. So you're... you're Just shitty, but anyway. So the best thing you can... Now, there's still room to improve, but that what it all boils down to is just your low Q-depth random performance and your low Q-depth sequential That's what you're looking to see improvements in. Which just so happens to be the, the thing that we have in the past few years shifted our focus to and be like, you know, once we started doing traces of actual systems and we come to realize, hey, look, your low Q-depth is actually where it's at as far as performance goes. Um, so we should focus on that, yeah. right? As opposed to the maximum this and the maximum so, like, that. Here's your uh, sequential throughput. Guess what? Yeah, just over 500 megs a second. Just over 500 megs a second. But notice it, it does very well even at QDEF 1. Sure. It's almost at full. Okay. Right? Uh, the random, not so much. Um, but this is the case mm. for all SATA SSDs. Fair. Okay, so it, it is higher than normal, but it's not so much higher that, right. so oh my goodness, it's groundbreaking. 
Which drive? You might as well well just jump. Well, okay, so all the performance focuses, they're all boring because they're all saturating the interface. Got it. Regardless of the size. Fair. Even the Evo model we got, since it was the one terabyte model, the cache test doesn't show anything because the flash goes faster than the interface. Right. So there is no fall off when you run out of what, you know, the amount of cache that that drive has. Um, So I would just go straight to like uh, your performance comparisons like the first page there sequential and random uh yeah actually that's that's probably a bad page to look okay at. pick a different one because again it's sata everything Client looks the accumulated. same yeah go go to that all right i'm here so now we're looking at the lower q depths all right we're doing a weighted average and this is also across filling the drives to you know empty and half full and almost all the way full and all this data is crunched together and it turns into what if i'm a pef- pessimist well that it's that it's half empty uh, yeah, we also do that. And the IOPS are going to suck on it anyway. Uh, well, okay. So if you look at the <laughs> <laughs> way to be pessimistic. Um, so if you look at your read performance, again, flash-based things, the write, the random writes go higher than the random reads because mm-hmm. they acknowledge it before they actually did it for writing. Okay, so reads is actually the, the tough thing for these SSDs to do. Um, I have interleaved a... 860 with an 850 of an equivalent capacity. Yes, that we had already tested. Got it. Right. It Can didn't you match, spot the difference? It didn't match Pro for Pro everywhere because we only had a, a four terabyte Evo and 850 yep. to compare it to. But if you look at it, you'll notice. Okay, so these random read results are slightly higher for the 860s, especially for that Pro four terabyte. Like that's the highest number yep. we've seen out of a SATA drive right there. That 20,000 yep. figure. That's actually encroaching into some NVMe SSDs that we've tested. Um, so to get that out of a SATA product is pretty good. Now realize that number is going to equate to your random performance. Like you're kind of this is your your really the closest number we have to like your feel. You're using the SSD. How responsive does it feel? Okay. Right. How snappy is it when you're trying to do random you know random read operations? Um, sequentials that gets boring. Uh, and as a matter of fact. In some respects, some numbers like the Pro, the 850 Pro is beating the 860 Pro in the same capacity. So right. that's just down to they tuned it one way versus another way, right? Um, All right, so I'm in the mixed burst. Okay, mixed burst, uh, also important, right? This is where we have a download, simulated download going on in the background at the same time we're trying to load stuff. Uh, and this is where things start to fall apart because. The uh, look at the 850 Pro second drive versus yeah. the 860 Pro, yeah. right? They're both writing at roughly the same speed during the test, but the 850 Pro has got like almost 100 meg per second worth of throughput. On same the thing happens on the Evo one terabyte. Uh, on the Evo one terabyte, yeah, 860 versus 850, and then the Pro for the the four terabyte model is a little bit different of a of a comparison well, because we got Pro versus to, Evo. We're comparing it to the 850 Evo, yeah, you know which. Arguably, that generation kind of started to have a harder time with some things when it got to such a high capacity. So, you know, it just seems like, anyway. Um, So, that's kind of like, you know, it's the first iteration of this thing. It's on the first firmware. Maybe they just need to do some optimization, right? They're on a different controller. So, you know, maybe cut them a little bit of slack there. But, um, if you look at that that, uh, mixed burst throughput, the next chart down... So that's your actual time it took for all these reads. And now I'm realizing the PC Pro logo is blocking one of the numbers on us. Um, it's not important. Well, it is, because that's the A60 Pro. 
Oh, and it's a big number. And it's kind of a high number. It's like 21 or 22 seconds I'd total say worth it's of time. Close to 21.4. Yeah, so you've got the older models beating the newer models by several seconds. Yeah. Out of 20 seconds. Um, you know, that's noticeable, right? And then lastly, another issue we ran into was the trim speed test, which is if you look at the first couple of charts there, they look kind of normal, like, you know, the Samsung drives are relatively low figures, and then the MX500 actually had an issue with trim speed, and, uh, you know, Crucial slash Micron is actually addressing that. They're, they're looking into it already right. based on our view. Um, but I had to go and create this new result based on something that, like, these Samsung drives did things in a way that actually broke the way that we were doing our test. And I had to go back and calculate things a different way. Because when we calculate... The trim speed, normally, we compare an empty versus a full drive if you were trying to trim the entire span of the drive. Mm-hmm. Empty drives have always, and I mean like almost every SSD we've tested so far, have always been very uh, quick. If the drive was already trimmed and you issued a full drive trim command, it was almost instant. So it was just assumed that that was going to be a low number, right? And then I took whatever that number was and subtracted it from how long did it take when it was full. And we came up with our previous result. Well, I noticed that the 4 terabyte 860 took almost a minute to quick format when we first got it and plugged it into the test system. Right. That seemed weird. It was like 40 or 45 seconds or something. Um, and it continued to do that regardless. It did that fresh out of the box, any other state. And that actually scaled proportionally with the other capacities. So even the, you know, the Evo 1 terabyte took like 10 seconds. The you know, half a terabyte 860 Pro took like 5 seconds. Now, the lower... Amounts of time, yeah, that's five or ten seconds. That's like nothing. But when you get up to four terabytes, and it takes almost a minute, and that's like when you're doing your Windows install and it goes to create the partition, it just sits there and does nothing for a minute. That's when you're like rebooting your computer because you think something just froze. Right. You know, and same thing happens in disk management. If you plugged in a four terabyte drive as a secondary drive, oh, let me quick format my drive, and it just disk management just hangs for 45 seconds. Hmm. Right. So it's to the point where that's hey, that's a problem. You know, that's a pro- and it. No SSD should sit and do nothing for 45 seconds ever. Oh, that's a bad user experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's a solid-state drive. It's supposed to be fast at things. It shouldn't take, you know, over 30 seconds for any given thing, basically. Um, anyway, so we're working with Samsung. Hopefully, they'll address that, and maybe there'll be some optimizations in, uh, you know, future firmware. Um, moving on, pricing. Yep, what's it look like? Ten cents a gig. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, the pro, the pros are running like this MSRPs, but like the pros are running like forty six, forty seven cents a gig. Evos are running That's like too high. I know Evos are running like thirty three <laughs> cents a gig, <laughs> which is it's too high. Like you, we have um, the price of storage is too damn high. Of this storage, <laughs> it's too damn high. Well, I mean, it's it's true and. Samsung, I think, thought they would be able to get away with, oh, that's, that's the pricing we're using for the 850. The 860 is a better model and supposedly mm-hmm, faster mm-hmm. and this and that and the other thing and better endurance and all these things. And, and they just priced these like the same way that the previous model was priced, as if it was just going to slide right in there. Problem is, we're now at the point where you have NVMe SSDs starting to come out, good ones, at a lower cost per gig than this for the Evo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Intel just launched a 760p, which we have a review probably coming up tomorrow morning on. We've already tested all three capacities of that guy. And the cost per gig is actually lower for that product. That's an NVMe SSD that does like three times the throughput right. of these SATA things. Yeah. 
And Samsung's just leaning in on its name uh, being the most dominant I, SSD. I think that's what they're doing. But I think that's going to hurt them now because you can't launch a new SATA SSD at that price and expect. Yeah. Like there's just too much competition at, at it's not two. Stay there. Well, I, I know say, it's let's not going to stay there. The there's still does. so many. There's still so many laptops and people who don't understand NVMe or even don't even have it on the board. So you got to refresh your yeah your yeah. product line. And and, and it will and the Evo at a minimum will continue to be like the A60 Evo will be like the the default option if you have an M.2 device or an M or M.2 SATA device or an M SATA device. That you, you know, it's a laptop that only had, you know, it had M.2, but it was only linked to SATA. That's right. possible, right. right, if it's a much older machine. Uh, those will still be great SSDs to put in there, but again, they also make them in an 850, and as long as you could find that in stock somewhere, it's probably going to be cheaper, yeah. right? And they also make MX500s in M.2. Uh, yeah, that too. Which will probably right? be cheaper in WD Blues. <laughs> so if anything, the way to go in the near future is, like, this drive's supposed to hit within a couple of weeks, it's supposed to hit the market. If you're in the market for an SSD, I would say look for the 850s mm-hmm. because their price is going to drop. Yep. In theory, they should. In theory. Yeah. I mean, it's going to go up like afterwards, but like as the stock dwindles to almost nothing. But, you know, for a while there, you're going to probably see some blowout sales coming on. Uh, I mean, there's not really any kind of like sale holiday thing coming up where prices are normally Valentine's gonna, Day, I feel Chinese like. Chinese New Year. Valentine's Day is a great time to, to buy an SSD on sale. Yeah. Well, that, that might actually coincide when, when the 860s hit the market, so. It might turn into Valentine's Day sale on 850s. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Well, check out his review. It's on the website. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a moment here uh, to thank today's podcast sponsor. This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Their mattresses are designed by humans for humans. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. It's breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulate, regulate your body temperature through the night. And they're not just a mattress company. Casper now offers a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. Uh, Josh has submitted many suggestions of things they could sell to improve sleep experiences, but so far they've only done a handful of those, probably not at Josh's Josh's suggestion. Uh, The Casper mattresses are made in the USA, and buying them is exceptionally easy. You can order online. It's delivered to your door in a compact but slightly heavy box uh, with free shipping and free returns in the U.S. and Canada. There is a risk-free 100-day trial. This is, I think, what really uh, changes the idea, right, of ordering a mattress online, that type of thing. The 100-day free trial. uh, If you consider we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before you actually commit to that purchase. That's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out risk-free, and they will send somebody to come take it from you if you decide you don't like it. Um, Will Will they crush your femurs? I don't think so. I'm going to say, look, I'm going to say no and don't hold it against me if it's not the case. Uh, the, the Casper mattresses are really, um, it's, it's a unique buying experience. Uh, for example, maybe you're my wife in your home and uh, the UPS delivery guy shows up with a 143-pound box that's the size of a mini fridge. 
or so. And leaves it in front of your and le- garage they, door. They left it in front of the garage door, right? So we brought it inside, and uh, you wouldn't think that a king-size mattress would fit in a box this size. You cut I, it open, I wouldn't and it's think like so. a... It's not an explosive um, uh, expansion how, of mattress. How was the expansion compared to your previous? Uh, oh, it's about standard. the same. It's about no, the okay. same. About the same. Um, <laughs> it's a slow. It's like uh, how would you what would you equate this to uh, a slowly inflating balloon? I don't. I don't really. It's know like what to those. Say. It's like those sponge things that are in a capsule, and you put it in the water, and then they it slowly expand slowly out. Slowly expands out. You can get $50 toward a select mattress uh, or toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and using the promo code PCPer at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's a $50 credit toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and using promo code PCPer at checkout. And we thank Casper for their support, continued support of the PC Perspective podcast. Keep making them mattresses, boys. And girls, whatever it means. All right, let's get back to our, our news items here. First up, um, Jim built a Plex server for us and wrote a story about it. That sounds nice, right? So, uh, and actually, this project came up. So we 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 use Plex for a lot of stuff here, or as Kyle likes to call it, films um, and content, home videos, home videos. <laughs> <laughs> we each have individual libraries for that purpose, you know. <laughs> Oh, God, um, no. Then it would be shared with everybody else. No, no. It's an individual library. Oh, okay. You exchange know, permissions. Got it. Uh, but we had m- multiple people streaming off the server and, and all that type of stuff. So we had some some compute issues in addition to some storage issues. So uh, we thought about it. And obviously, I think the, the platform that made the most sense for us was the was Ryzen Threadripper. Here is a, a brand new high-performance processor platform that came out that is all about thread count and 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 performance, especially when you get into some of these transcoding rendering tasks which is exactly what plex does all mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. um yeah because you know happily excess is never enough correct never and in this case it's not right not when like, it comes to hard drives yeah so uh the the idea here was to build an entire platform and and the threadripper 1950x was the basis uh for this um we obviously had some goals of storage we ended up going with uh you know, we looked at FreeNAS, we looked at Unraid, uh, but we ended up going with Windows. I know this was a debate that was in the comments of this story already about why would we go with Windows. And a lot of it came down to... We wanted it to just work. We wanted it, things to just work. So we're using a hardware RAID card that handles all of that stuff for us uh, with how many hard drives do we have in here, Ken? 16. 16 yeah. uh, drives. So you can see the system hardware there. You know, 960 so, Pro for the OS. So kind of the core issue with the operating system, I spent, as you can attest to, several weeks on and off screwing with new operating systems, FreeNAS. I actually came across Open Media Vault, which is a Debian-based alternative to FreeNAS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually did try It's not all based on CFS, which you should check out because it's awesome. Yeah. But the core issue came down, with, came down to Samba compatibility with Windows, and the rest of the clients in the office were Windows PCs. So it just... Just so much easier to use Windows. We could have fine-tuned Linux to be the perfect Samba host to our clients and everything, but you know, it was just easier. And we used Windows 10 Pro instead of Server because we were having some uh, compatibility issues with Server that were frustrating to diagnose. As anyone who's ever messed with Windows Server will attest to, and you know, at some point, we just needed it to work. We don't right. have an IT department. We just needed it we were all needed to do other things and, and since <laughs> and since we have a hardware raid card 
well, we're on NTFS, so it's kind of iffy. But like, Supreme Power Break Card, we can swap OSs out from underneath the bulk of the storage, and bulk storage remains there. So not like if you're using, you know, anything that's a software-based RAID, you can't just switch to some other mm, type. True. Right? Like, your array just goes away. So, you know, now, since we have a partition that's, uh, actually, it's REFS. Got it. Yeah, um, we did actually go with that. But since, you know, since we went with that, we're stuck with Windows, but any flavor we want, we can just, we can reinstall server. Like, and just... Windows uh, XP, for example. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, all right. It was shot. Uh, so we've got, you know, we've got a Gigabit X399 uh, motherboard in there, Noctua cooler, Corsair Vengeance memory. Um, we are using 10 gigabit Ethernet, uh, courtesy of the Intel X540, Nick. And, mm-hmm. and that was one of our problems where we could get Samba, we could get Samba working all right, but it was getting that full 10 gig link, maximizing Nick's settings, yeah. getting that full 10 gig on both sides was a hell of a struggle. It's not as turnkey as you would think it would be with anything, as it turns out, and the source of a lot of my personal frustration. Our, our storage solution is unique <coughs> in that we used all external hard drives. Yep. <laughs> Put in some USB add-in cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we raided them. Uh, this, is kind of, this was interesting. I know we've talked about this in the podcast several times about the idea of shucking external hard drives that happen to have uh, prices lower than the OEM bare drives themselves, sometimes by a fairly significant and, margin. And if you're lucky enough, contain the weight name brand actual. Right. The WD Red. Yeah. NAS hard drive. I mean, we're talking about we paid, what, 190 for these? They, they, were down, they were down to like 160 at one point. Oh, really? Like a few of the no, ones yeah, I picked Jim up Jim writes as low as 150 in subsequent sales. Yeah. And, and the hard drives themselves were worth 250 if, When we bought them, we were going like 280 280 yeah. 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 or $300 the they were going for. Or on sale for 150 if you're willing to take apart some plastic. Yeah, with a free USB external enclosure, basically. <laughs> that you could use whatever. <laughs> Although Ken might use them, right? When I mean, he, he could, when he's, yeah, I'm actually for looking for one yeah. when they go back on sale to use as an external drive because I'm not a crazy person who bought 32 of them. Well, what, like what? Well, what do you mean? We huh. bought well, we 16, bought 32 of them. 16 were for the office. Actually, I think we have more than 32 among us now. I, I mean, think you have more maybe. than 16 at your home. Uh, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> because just because, because then it's I, cheap doesn't mean you have to no, buy because it. Because then I caught some people shucked them and then listed them on eBay and they only went for like one fifty or one sixty. The bear drive. Yeah, yes. as it turns out, everyone knows about this. <laughs> nice. So then I That's just surprising. bought some of those in addition because it wasn't on sale at the moment. So I just you know I have more. Uh, what is this chassis? The iStar USA for you rack mount chassis. It's got sixteen three and a half inch drives. Um, so this is a weird chassis. Oh, what's that? Is, this is not quite enterprise, but more like home theater. Every, it's more like shoving your home equipment into a server box. Yeah. Sounds like what we were so, doing. So that's why we have no internal pictures, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it looks like. I mean, it, no, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, look bad. It doesn't look too bad. It doesn't look bad. It just looks like a regular. You know, so, so essentially, instead you of. You got a needing, Blu-ray drive on it? <laughs> it, it could. <laughs> nope. No, I still use the I still use the Microsoft HD DVD drive. Oh yes, <laughs> it was a good product. Yeah, good product. Well, actually, it actually has room for a two and a half inch optical drive in that yeah. chassis. Uh, but the thing with this chassis is it supports regular ATX size motherboards. Mm-hmm. So instead of needing a special server form factor board to fit in this chassis, you just put an ATX board in there. And also, the drive cages don't have sleds, which 
across 16 drives is very much a time saver. Yeah, that is so you just nice. kind of open the door and sure. slide an entire three and a half inch drive there. It's yeah. not necessarily the best, most real, like it doesn't feel the best in it. It's kind of a little jank getting the drives in and out, but yeah. it works ultimately. They have drive access lights on them. And it was, they use, uses what, like four mini sash connections. So we just yeah, this, straight this, to the this, raid card. Th- that's another part of the reason that makes this a lower cost solution is that there's no SAS expanders in that backplane. It's just, it's just breakouts. It's just straight wired. Each, each row of four goes to a mini SAS mm. connector. Okay. But, but absolutely no problems with the chassis. It's, it's been solid for our uses. Like if you're looking to put like a, a transplant, a regular server style rack mount motherboard into there, it's not going to work for you. We had some of those that we were looking at and just like, this is for a desktop machine in a rack mount. Right. Yeah. Did you at least pick up like the FSP twins for the power supply? Come on. Or is it just like a it, Antec thing sticking out the back? It's like a Corsair AX1200. Oh. It's on. It's on enough. Yeah, this one. This one does. Yeah, it fair. didn't come with a like server. Some some of these will come with a pair of redundant power supplies. Already. Well, that's what the FSP one does because yeah. it fits in like a normal uh, form factor. Yeah. No, oh, actually, they, I know they got one now. of those Antec uh, 480 watt uh, LED, <laughs> exactly. LED ones from about yeah. ten years ago, and they've got a ton of the uh, the four pin Molex to SATA, and then to whatever it is. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. They're fine. Hey, it's, it's sparkle. That used to be good, right? <laughs> yeah. Used PC to. power and cooling. Now, in terms of performance, um, storage performance being the most important thing, it, we're not that great, I would say. As it turns out. this The RAID controller is maybe old? Is that our problem? Uh, it might. I don't remember if I did. if Because we went through a different card and then went to this one. Yeah. We had a lot of testing configurations. We did a lot on this. <laughs> there was there was at least one like we were doing seven or eight hundred meg per second initially, and then something changed, and we just need to look at it and figure out yeah. what changed. Uh, from the CPU side, one of the kind of general thoughts for uh, uh, transcoding on Plex, Jim writes here, is like two thousand CPU marks per stream. Right is what you'll consume. So in a multi-threaded environment, you run this test and you get an idea of about how many simultaneous Plex streams could you support and what did on it, average. What did it say? So it, we scored 23,000, and at 2,000 per stream, you're looking at 10 to 11 simultaneous oh, okay. users could be on that system, which is not something we really expect to happen. Also note, of course, that this server is also hosting kind of like our corporate file server yeah. as well. Right, obviously, it doesn't need as much CPU for any of that. It's just and it's yes, just we're storage. backing it up to another network yes, attached it is, storage. It is, it is backed yes. up elsewhere. Yeah. Yes. Have you hired an IT guy yet? That's no. what Jim kind of is. Jim oh. Jim handles that for us yeah. in the back. The IT you're, the, stuff. You're IT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he says we are uh, unfortunately we are fudged. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, um, you're getting what you pay for. So there's some thoughts in here about, you know, uh, the, I know some people might have thought about, hey, why not buy a pre-owned used Xeon server? Which is very popular right now. Like E5 V2s are being decommissioned and pretty cheap on eBay for dual socket systems where you can get 20 cores. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and it's a fine option. It's just for us, we had access to this hardware, but also there's the possibility of, you know, buying new hardware versus buying used. You don't know exactly what it was used for. Um also, you don't some, want one of your power supplies dying in that chassis due to just hours being hit 
Yeah, and that's then true. Having to find a weird replacement for this Dell. Those are noisier power supply yeah. than the configuration we built, right? Because we got to choose the components and the coolers and the power supply and all that type of stuff. So there's some advantages. We put a there. Noctua cooler in our server, yo. Hell yeah! Yeah, it is very Hell quiet. Yeah. We can even make it quieter if we wanted to. If we switched out the fans for something uh, else. Windows updates suck in terms of quirks. There is that. Right? Because we're not using Windows 10 um, server or Windows server, we can't, like, disable that stuff completely. Um, so I mean, every once we in can a while, if we want to. We just, it'll be vulnerable to stuff <laughs> over yeah, time. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, in terms of mission criticalness, like, hey, if, if I'm at home and my daughter's watching Snow White, it's not a mission critical thing. If it needs to reboot and go back into it, that's, that's fine. Um, so that is, that is one quirk. Uh, the other thing would be the storage performance that we need to, to troubleshoot more and figure out what that causes. Because ideally, we wanted to have 10 gigabit network throughout, being able to move data around at a gig per second. Uh, we have other issues with our 10 gigabit cards in general, not because of the Plex server or the server at all. Um, but that's something else still on the list of troubleshooting. Uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the, the Ryzen Threadripper-based server platform right obviously Dude, it's look, not- at, look at that rack yeah it's nice look at those blue lights yeah. and stuff it's a big rack jim uh found the one angle that makes that room look not a disaster yeah, so i do no appreciate kidding. and it's still kind of a disaster because you can see some ethernet cables running straight up and that's that's our <laughs> that's our two-way mirror that i use to stare out at ken's desk throughout the day it literally sure. ken's head is like two feet from that yeah, on the other yeah, side yeah. The i may i use it i watch him i make sure he's doing the work that he says breathes heavy yeah. on the glass you know yeah mm-hmm. so uh there you go check out that story if you're interested in in building a a probably overkill plex server for your needs just like that uh let's run through the rest of the stuff a little bit more quickly uh amd has replaced raja kaduri Josh, any thoughts on this? I don't. You know, I don't think either of us really knew know the two people um, that are taking over here. Mike Rayfield handling the business side. Uh, David Wang covering kind of the engineering technical side they for needed, the Radeon technology. They needed group. two guys to replace them, huh? Well, they also are bringing in more stuff. So Mike Rayfield uh, from the business side is now has the responsibility of the semi custom business unit under him, which was not under Raja mm. before. Okay, uh, but they thought it made more sense, and I, I agree uh, when Lisa told us that. Um, the semi-custom emphasis is really on the benefits of the GPU, right? So pulling that in under the Radeon group makes a little bit more sense, especially if you look at... I mean, the Jaguar cores weren't really you know, <laughs> doing it for you? Weird. Meanwhile, the other kind of major public semi-custom customers, Intel, who was buying a Vega part to use on Cabby Lake G. Yeah. So you know, it, it kind of made sense from that standpoint. But I wondered if you had any thought, initial thoughts on kind of the news, the move, how much, how much time it took for them to do this and what it might mean uh, for 2018 and beyond. Well, I think that they needed to find the right guys and right people for the position, and perhaps they have. It's good that they uh, kind of split up some of the duties. That means, to me at least, that they're not overloading one person with all these tasks that are actually spending the money to get more people in to be able to do more stuff and hopefully make the company more money in the end as compared to one really overloaded guy. So, you know, yeah. with the change of uh, semi-custom over to uh, the, the graphics, RTG group, I guess, RTG, um, and plus, you know, two new dudes at the uh, at the top, it's, I, you know... The, we have yet to see how they perform, how well they do, how well they handle their new situations. But 
It's uh, at least positive in terms of um, people on the board and management that they're willing to give these people extra money to come in and hopefully make a difference for AMD. Right. I agree. Um, I, I, I don't know – you know, the, you know, they just started, so it's hard to have any specific expectations. I wrote in a different story that what I would expect to see is uh, inside something like a three-month window, there would be more clarity in uh, the Radeon roadmap, more uh, public and investor interact, you know, investor um, discussion around what this company they expect to look like in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. Because I don't want to say that they've fallen behind NVIDIA more because, you know, the Vega, uh, the RX Vega products are fine. And as a benefit to them, the mining stuff is happening. So they're not losing market share because nobody has market share for the gaming market, or right? Everyone has market share. Everyone is selling everything they can make. So it doesn't really matter at this point. Now, this will change at some point. And then if you look at non-gaming markets like machine learning and, and um, artificial intelligence, autonomous driving, that type of stuff is an area where AMD is significantly behind NVIDIA. Um, so seeing what that roadmap is going forward I think would be pretty important for them. But um, but is NVIDIA and AMD really making as much money as they could? Because if you think about it, we've got memory that costs more than it has in a long time. They sell the chips to their partners, and the partners are the ones who got burned when the, uh, the, the, the coin bubble burst before. So you're kind of taking these things all with a grain well, of salt? I mean, the AMD and NVIDIA – no, thank you. AMD and NVIDIA suffer because they don't make the extra profit that the channel makes from these uh, you know, elevated GPU prices. Um, now they can do some stuff to address that. They could increase production and say, Hey, you know, if they increase production over the contracted rates and say, Hey, partner X, if you want these extra cards, cause we know they're going to sell, you're going to have to pay us more. Um, that would be an avenue to go, but it's a risk when you increase production that maybe you get stuck holding inventory that you have no contract to, to sell off anymore as well. So there's a lot of other, other things that go into play in that regard. Um, right over there yeah all right uh the i i think you know kyle said in the chat that it's hard to to come up with a roadmap if you don't know what the company is capable of if you have no idea what you're capable of and i would say there there are enough people that still remain inside the company that they understand you know joe macri is there and he's going to be able to educate these guys on where they stand and um where they're at technologically and, and how these things could come out but you know at their ces tech day they basically gave no detail on what their plans were for the future on the gpu side and uh, that's disheartening to both consumers to enterprise and to investors that really depend on that to see if they're living up to, you know, even their own metrics. So I think it's good that they've got this hired. They've got the, they've glad they've got that kind of thing out, uh, you know, from, from hovering over them, um, monkey on their back type of deal. Um, they can move past all of that. And I'll be curious to see what changes in the next, uh, several months, but then also past that next several quarters, I guess. Yep. Couple of Intel Spectre, a uh, couple of security updates. Man, it's depressing to talk about well, this stuff. Lovely. Um, uh, first, 
Don't install any of the patches anymore, I guess. <laughs> not on a mission-critical system. Uh, Intel, said, Intel actually now recommends not installing them because there are reboot issues with Meltdown Inspector updates. Originally thought to uh, these what? reboot updates were only affecting the older processors. It's actually now, you know, Intel confirmed last week that they were affecting the new generations of processors as well. But they recommend not installing it. It's an automatic update. Well, um, not, not BIOS. Not updates. the microcode. No. No, these oh, are the microcode BIOS. Okay, the BIOS. This updates. is mostly Spectre, not Meltdown. Yeah. I yeah, think. correct. Um, but yeah, when their timetable for that uh, microcode patch was literally five days, you kind of had to worry this was going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because I, I don't know. When they first said uh, that they recognized the reboot problems, they hadn't root caused it. Now they say they've root caused it, but they don't know how long it's going to take to um, get the patches out. Because now you have to redistribute to all these OEMs. All these OEMs have to build new versions of BIOS. All these microcodes have to go up that way. So it's just a different microcode update. I, I believe so, yeah. I, it, it, but it may require some changes on the Windows side, too. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, like in the yeah, patches. But that's an easier distribution model than... Microcode through a BIOS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So everything is more of a mess than ever. Um, I don't, was it last week that we talked about AMD also releasing microcode updates? Did we talk about that? I don't remember if we did. And and the internet blowing up saying that um, uh, it was, AMD was now admitting that it was vulnerable to variant two of Spectre, whereas before they were saying they weren't. And there was a bunch of just, the debate there Conjecture is that and, you know AMD um, initially said that they were they had a near zero vulnerability to variant two of that security issue. They still maintain they have a near zero vulnerability, well, it's, it's that, but they released microcode updates to partners that wanted to take that from near zero to zero. Yeah, essentially. Um, and the near zero was really just like nobody had shown the ability to exploit it on the AMD side yet. Like the researchers, no, nobody had a successful attack. On the AMD right. platform for that particular, right. there had been of, no proof of uh, proof of concept or proof of, proof of whatever you want to call it. POC. N- nobody had done concept, it. But. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it still hasn't been done as far as far as we know. Um, so you know, it actually got messier for Intel over the last week than cleaner because of the reboots, confirming the reboots. Uh, telling people to continue to apply the patches several days later coming out. Actually, we take that back. No longer apply the patches because these reboots are, are more severe than we thought. Yeah. Um, we've updated all of our systems here, and I have not had any random issues in that regard. Um, yeah. But, you know, 15 computers in this office does not. We did a bunch of storage-related testing, and mm. so, yeah, I saw nothing's the issues. done anything looking for there. performance issues, but we saw no stability uh, issues. Yeah. So, um, I can tell you, continues. Yeah, the saga continues. There's a lot of stuff going on in the background here. Microsoft, Intel, AMD, all trying to figure out exactly how this is going to affect them long term. Uh, but there's your uh, weekly security Spectre meltdown update. Snafu. Moving on. Uh, Jeremy, what do we know about this Gemini Lake motherboard? Intel Pentium Silver processors, if you like uh, branding designations, you're going to love Pentium Silver and Gold. Yes, the Pentium Silver and Pentium Golds. Uh, So these are small, 
tiny little systems. I, I think that the one that Gigabyte and ASRock offer about six and a half inches square. It's got uh, one of these Pentium Silver or a Pentium Celeron or a slower Pentium Celeron stuck on it permanently. But it's great for tiny little small form factors. The uh, I, I mean, th- there's nothing brand new about it because, I mean, we've sort of seen these before. It's just yeah. a brand new HTPC uh, base to build something off of, uh, you know, assuming you want to go out and pay the prices for memory or, and graphics cards right now. Uh, and, I mean, they're decent little tiny processors. The interesting thing here to me is that this is the first appearance of Gemini Lake processors at all right certainly that i know of i don't think they've been in like you know budget notebooks or no nooks have been out shipping with this that i'm aware of i know they were showing us a nook at ces i don't remember the launch date but it wasn't it isn't today let's say right um so and if you're wondering it's the uh, uhd graphics 605 we're not gonna see amd on this yeah, no, no, no. Unfortunately. The, this, I mean, for people who don't know, like, the, the Gemini Lake is kind of like they're... Probably in some NAS somewhere. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. I, I would consider this... Would you consider this Atom class above, below? Yeah. I mean, not below, but it's, it's an Atom it's a class processor. I mean, they don't they don't they sell don't, an Atom product anymore. I think they... Do might? they? I don't know. They shouldn't. Um, <laughs> if they do, yeah, they maybe should. They but do. this is a perfect replacement. I mean, it's just, it's just the equivalent of like a 3900 Celeron or something? No, I mean, th- this is... So, I mean, there, there's quad-core options, dual-core options. Yeah. Um, you know, DDR4 memory, all that you, stuff. Because quad-core you'll, you'll even... You'll find this in a $300 notebook near you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And actually, Josh is right in that this will be like powering embedded products like uh, a network array. Yeah, sure. Right, like a NAS device. Um, just not a Plex server. I mean, <laughs> if you if it's local and you're not doing transcoding, that's true. it's probably fine that's true. to just spit out native media. But if you're going to do transcoding for mobile users or yeah. other devices, uh, new. No, I would not recommend it. Maybe one stream. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but like as a file server, media server, other types of things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what this platform is um, really geared towards. From what we, uh, I think it was Tim uh, could find out, this uh, the new 605 GPU has 12 execution units uh, and runs at about 750 megahertz. Ah. So you do get 4K60 video out, um, support for VP9, uh, 8 and 10-bit codecs. So as a media server, yeah, it would certainly be a solid piece uh, to build it off of if you didn't want to use a Threadripper. Ah, okay. Gotcha. And ASRock, yeah, okay, I see. Now there's the ASRock Mini ITX version fanless, I see. Yeah. Also interesting. This one's using Sodim. Oh, that one only has to buy one slot. Uh, true. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Can't even put and like it comes in, a, in an industrial style as well. Oh, SATA port in such a weird spot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that a VGA port or serial? I need to know. That's probably serial. Depends on the model. Oh, parallel. Wait, what? Look at that CMOS battery. That's a placement. different motherboard. Dude, yeah, it's got a printer port. Yeah. Oh, man. No, there's two of them. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so the, the J410-5B ITX <laughs> is more of a uh, industrial-style one. I can yeah, use yeah. my old game port joystick again. You can. <laughs> uh, and a D-sub monitor, so you don't have to worry about any uh, screen like. Interesting. Interesting. Pretty cool little boards, I guess, if nothing else. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Ryzen Mobile. 
Uh, Ken posted this up today. They, I think AMD told us that these devices would be coming, yeah. um, but now Ryzen mobile processors from Acer and Lenovo are uh, maybe not shipping, but available for order and shipping soon. Is that yeah, right? Pretty much. So I don't know if it was exactly today or not, but I saw both of these notebooks pop up for order today. They, they're both, I think the Acer is shipping February 9th or something like that. Yep, I think that's the, right. The Lenovo is like available now, ships in five to seven business days. So we're, we're talking beginning of February timeframe for both of these, but it's the Acer Swift 3, which we've had some experience with the 8th gen Intel version of this lately. Yes, I know you've correct. been doing a lot of testing in the office. So this is the Ryzen mobile version, which you can get in a 2500U or the 2700U. This will be the first product we see shipping with the 2700U, which is interesting because you have the more stream processors on the Vega graphics. Right. But essentially, it seems pretty identical to the Intel counterpart. Yep. Now, the Lenovo machine, the IdeaPad 720S, is more complicated in that it looks like a uh, like a thinner design, I guess. It's a 13-inch design. It's definitely thinner and lighter, if you go for that term. Right. But it only has a single channel of memory, which I think is a very poor decision. Dumb. On a platform that uses integrated graphics. Um, and it's also a little bit more expensive as well, 1049 starting point. But that is with a 512 gig PCIe SSD. Mm, okay, which is, that's which fair. is you know pretty good for that sort of configuration. Yeah. In their slides, or AMD did quote the Lenovo as having a 2700U option, and yeah. uh, we haven't we haven't seen that yet. So it's that interesting. Could, could be to come more more configuration options to come. Yeah. But I would I wouldn't think you'll ever see dual channel memory out of it. This is what uh, AMD needs. They need their Ryzen mobile part to exist in more products like this, you know, kind of um, mainstream products that are also a little bit higher class, higher quality than the bargain basement $400, $500 machines, right? The Swift 3, it's, it's not Acer's flagship. The IdeaPad is obviously not Lenovo's flagship, but these are pretty good. Um, mainstream. Yeah, like mainstream towards the higher end solutions and even better is that they have directly comparable intel parts maybe you know it should be better for amd if they have if the confidence in their part is well placed it's a good for us because it gives us a terrific comparison point between all these platforms now we can get a swift three in and we can look at seventh gen eighth gen eighth gen with discrete ryzen mobile go on from there um which is pretty unique and difficult to find a situation where that always works out in, in the, in the world. mobile world. Oh. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you're interested in Ryzen mobile, but the HP one wasn't really for you, uh, there are some uh, other options coming available, including the smaller 13 inch version from Lenovo, which I think will be interesting. So, all right, let's get into our hardware software picks of the week as he goes to try to find links. Uh, oh, somebody already What's Jeremy, it? did you take an OEM PC? I hate to admit it, but yeah, I did. Uh, okay, I'll let you go first because I think you, I think, I think we might be on the same thing here. But I think we we're probably well. It was inspired by the conversation. Okay, and I took a look, and I. The, long story short, really, there was a discussion going on, and we're saying it actually makes more sense to build a boutique or to buy a boutique machine than to go out and try and upgrade a current machine let alone buy yourself or build yourself a new one and like yeah no that doesn't sound right to me that's just utterly depressing and so i took a look at the prices of 1080s and 1080 ti's and realized that no maybe this isn't as 
absolutely horrible as I thought. Right. And with two minutes work, I put together a 1080 uh, machine with what, uh, an i7 8700, 1080, 32 yep. gigs of DDR4-2666, and it's 2600 bucks. Just 32 gigs of that memory and the GTX 1080 would run you about that price. That's true. Is it really? Is memory? Almost. Yeah, memory is expensive. It's a, as expensive as it was as when it was initially launched Jesus. now. Memory is like 50 bucks for 4 gig now. Yeah. Like the prices when we first saw DDR4 launch, it's pretty much back to that point. The only benefit to this is it's not quite um, as, as cheap. So right. you're not going to see people running out and buying friggin' boutique PCs and ripping apart and selling the graphics cards out of them. That's true. But it, it's an odd place that we're sitting at where it's like, yeah, you know, it's not cheaper to build your own PC at this point. And that's upsetting. I, and I would say that like this Alienware solution is probably on the high end yeah. of that of that configuration. Yeah, this was right? five minutes worth of work. So like the right. the, the, the reason we kind of had this conversation internally is I happened to go to Costco when the <laughs> power was out of our office. And there was an Acer, an ugly case, but an Acer OEM PC that mm-hmm. had a 1070. It had a 7700, Core i7-7700 in it. It had 32 gigs of memory. Uh, it had a 256 gig SSD, a one terabyte hard drive, whatever. Um, but it was eleven ninety nine, which is dirt. Amazing. It's kind of a smoking price. Yeah, right? it is. Oh, yeah. yeah, and and because well, and like a, a ten. Keep in mind, you, my price is yeah. Canadian. Oh, so it's that's like a, not the okay. U.S. fake no, money. Like grand yeah, off so that. You gotta that, warn me. That computer's like fifty bucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so the machine at Costco, which was what my recommendation was going to be, was was eleven hundred was twelve hundred dollars, and I think it was. It was twelve ninety nine online when people were looking it at it. Basically, worked out to if you bought the CPU and the graphics CPU card, and the graphics card, everything else came in for free. Everything no, else, no, was free. it was like if you bought the graphics card and the RAM, everything oh, yeah. was free. And the RAM is that what it was? It was yeah, yeah. Because I mean, a GTX ten seventy goes for what right now? <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to buy one new on yeah, PC like Part that. Picker, it's like eight hundred bucks. Eight hundred bucks. So then three hundred dollars for th- for thirty two gigs of memory, mm-hmm. and there you go. Now you get a processor, a motherboard, an SSD, an ugly case, uh, an optical drive for Josh, you know, a power supply. And so, you know, even if you're trying to upgrade a machine, it might make sense to part it out yourself. Um, yeah. But yeah. but for like somebody who you even get a warranty is, this, on the a, whole thing. It's a real problem. You get a warranty, you on get package, some support, right? right? Yeah. It's it's actually a real problem um, that I've been having conversations with other component vendors on. Because like if you're Corsair and you sell cases and power supplies and SSDs, <laughs> and the number of people building new machines is dropping dramatically because they can't buy GPUs and they can't buy memory. Yep. Uh, everything else falls too. For anything that is a reasonable price, Yeah. everything else comes down with it. I'm not going to pre-buy my case. Right. So it's interesting because there's two options. There's two things that occur. The OEM vendors like Dell, HP, Lenovo, the big guys, they have – Probably, uh, you know, fixed price agreements with their vendors. We're going to buy this many GPUs per quarter from you at this mm-hmm, price, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't, there's not, they're not going to get jacked up by the new egg and Amazon price gouging or whatever. Um, so they have the ability to offer consistent pricing throughout. So what once you might have paid 100 to $200 more for a pre-built system, now you're paying – Two to three hundred dollars less for that pre-built system compared to the. So now, if yeah. if I'm Acer and I'm and I'm seeing this information, you could either look at it two ways. You raise the price because you realize now that you have a commodity that people want. Sure. 
or you maybe maintain the price or increase it very little because you use this as a, this is our way to get new customers. This is how we're going to get repeat customers. This is how we're going to build our brand and increase revenue uh, in that regard. And, and it's just helping them move volume at the price they were asking. Sure. Which is better anyway, right? Correct. Some of those machines just don't move. Like well, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you would, in theory, if they're if they have intelligent business people working for them. Their, their whole goal is to balance the yeah. supply-demand thing, going back to all that. Um, and if suddenly the allocation that they thought they were going to have for Q1 2018 is now gone in 30 days because mm-hmm. everybody's going out, now you, now you have a different problem. Now we've, just, now we've extended the uh, cryptocurrency uh, mining inventory issues to OEM PCs. Great. And we've had discussions here about laptops, gaming laptops, now being – a much more viable option, not from just a performance standpoint because they've been there for a while, but from a pricing standpoint, yeah. right? If you can get a an ASUS or an MSI gaming notebook with a GTX 1070 um, and a 7700HQ for what what do those kind of run for? $2,300? Oh, no, way less than that. Oh, really? We're talking like 15, 17, 18. So now you're now you're talking about you get a display, you know, a keyboard. It, you can get G-Sync capability yeah. with those. Mm-hmm. It, it's um, more of a draw with the notebooks. Like you're not saving that much after you – like you might have to right. pay tax on the notebook where you didn't own the individual components or something like that. It's maybe like $100 savings, but you're getting a full package. You're getting a notebook, which is usually a high, high premium. And like you said, you could have – like a lot of them in that range have G-Sync displays or yep. 120 hertz refresh displays that you wouldn't have otherwise. So for now for the same price that you could build a computer, a gaming computer, you might be able to get a gaming notebook that you know you can hook an external display and keyboard and mouse and all that stuff, storage and networking up to. And you don't really lose uh, capability except for like upgrades down the road. Uh, but you gain the capability of you know portability and integrated display and all that type of stuff. Um, so there's these really interesting trade-offs that exist in the last month or so that never ex- that hasn't existed for uh, probably ever in the market. So which is why suddenly people might be coming to Alienware that wouldn't have gone there before. Hey, I normally build my PC and willing to spend you know fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Holy crap! I wanted to buy two 1080 Ti's. That's twenty six hundred bucks. All of a sudden, you know, and I'm just going to go to my friends at Falcon Northwest and have them build me a system. Yeah, it's going to be a couple hundred dollars more, mm-hmm. but I can get the stuff. Sure. I can actually buy yeah, the what product. What if they ship you GTX 1040s? <laughs> That's true. You can have a world exclusive on the GTX 1040s, and they just turn out to be garbage 1070s, and you throw them away, like our good friend yeah. Sebastian. Yep. And honestly, like I know like Jeremy had an Alienware link from Dell where you would have to wait and maybe a week for that machine to be built and shipped to you, or maybe not longer. But I did a lot of pricing on what we could go and walk into our local Best Buy and do this week. And they're like HP Omen machines for like – there was one for 1250 with a 7700 not K and a 1070 in it. They could just walk in and buy. Yeah. Straight off the shelf. You might even be able to find an open box one there because Best Buy seems to be all about open box these days. Yeah. You walk into a Best Buy store and it's just open products everywhere, I, which is weird. I, I, I would wager that if you're Dell, HP, Lenovo, if you're Acer, Asus, MSI, you should be marketing to that group now. Hey, mining got you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come see us at Best Buy, where we've got six gaming machines on a shelf that you can pick up and Don't take home today. Don't be surprised if you see a TV commercial. We've got like the perfect website for you to run those ads on too. Contact rshrout at pcpro.com. That's, That's correct. We'll make That's it great. We've got tons of people who hate mining uh, that visit our website on a daily basis. So uh, I think that's a great idea. 
Yeah. Uh, Puget Systems is apparently still really expensive, though. Well, I mean, yeah. I thought I'd That's check. That's always been Falcon the case. Falcon Northwest is going to be one of the expensive ones, too. But again, but whatever the Delta was before, if they haven't adjusted prices, now when you get into the really small boutique places, they may be under the influence of the same price changes yeah. that we are. Yeah. It's when you get like Dell and HP who are building you know, massive amounts of machines that they might have some of that price protection. Not only that, but they bought in there. that product months and months ago. Right. Well, they contracted that. to buy it. Yeah. 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 All right, Josh, what do you got for me? Uh, okay, can we move the rundown? Change down? the uh, rundown. No, I also, can't. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> oh, <there you laughs> that go. whole time we were talking about Ryzen Mobile, didn't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah Ryzen Mobile in Alienware. Yeah, it's a, it's a revolution. I'm still not Continue. talking. I don't care. Cool. Continue. Okay, what we can fine. just do is pick four. Um, <clears throat> speaking of graphics cards, this is still one of the only ones that you can get below MSRP. It's the NVIDIA Titan XP Jedi Edition. The Empire Edition is sold out. Boo. You well can then. still get the Jedi Edition Not for, for eleven thirty nine. <laughs> well, I think we know which one's more popular then. Oh, yeah. no. Nobody likes green. Green is pukey. Red is powerful, just like AMD. <laughs> Wait. Radeon. <laughs> Wait a minute. That is weird that the red one sold out first. No, it's not for an Nvidia right. product. Red, red runs go faster. No, it's not. Green reminds okay. people of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the ooze. These are still really cool-looking products, uh, and they're not incredibly overpriced. I mean, well, they are. They're, well, over, they're overpriced for their gaming performance, but not overpriced over their expected price. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, officially it's supposed to be twelve hundred bucks for a Titan XP, but the the Jedi Order Edition. You can still buy. Yeah, is eleven thirty-eight. Limit and you two go per to customer. Website and you click on the uh, on the on the lightsaber and it makes a great sound that annoys the living shit out of you. If you're thinking about buying ten ATI, this is like your cheapest option without having to it's deal true. with deal with new in stock notices and all of that stuff. That is true, and it is a little more powerful. So mm-hmm. yeah, plus it's green. And shiny. And it's green. It's a nice looking car. Right. It comes in a really nice box that That's you'll true. not know what to do with until it sits on our shelf over here. Your That's card. Awesome. Well, yeah, the card you, sits you in the using box. It and, on your yeah. shelf over there. No, no, the cards are in use. Oh, yeah, really? But once you yeah. stop using it, because two years down the line there's something more powerful, then yeah. you can display now it. Now you display it. That Correct. nice box. If your wife hasn't thrown it away. Ugh. Ugh. All right, Alan, what do you got? Your last one. Uh, so I recently uh, needed some better mounting solution for our television mm-hmm. that was kind of large, and I need to be able to get behind it occasionally. But mm-hmm. I wanted it relatively flat against the wall. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't want one of those mounts that's got the big hinge arm thing that you like swing the TV out, like as if you're going to swing it out on like like a door or something. I didn't want to do that because first I think this TV was too heavy for those. Like okay. rip the thing off the wall. Anyway, uh, this mount's pretty cool. Um, it's like your standard kind of flush mount thing, except it has like a scissor kind of hinge thing to it. So you can actually grab the set and pull it straight out like four inches. And then there's also a pivot for once you have pulled it out four inches, then you can actually tilt it up or tilt it down some. So yeah. what if you get another one of those and, and put <laughs> it on the opposite going. side <laughs> and then you could get some really sweet scissoring action keep going? going. And, and you yeah. can actually – and you can – and so the – the scissors operate independently of each other, so you can actually angle the TV slightly. <laughs> I'm just rolling with what Josh started here. But anyway, 
So you can actually slightly angle the set, like, you know, one side or the other can be angled away from the wall a little bit <laughs> if you wanted to, right? Uh-huh. But for me, it's mainly just I need to be able to get behind the set without having to take it off the wall to mess mm-hmm. with stuff. Mm-hmm. And for this, it's just like, it's like popping the hood on a car, right? You just grab the set, you pull it away from the wall like four inches, tilt it up, and now you have access, you know, underneath. Which it makes is. me very worried about those things that hang off the bottom of it. The things to hang off the bottom of it? Oh, the, the, the things, so, yeah. Okay, so those actually tuck back up. Oh, do they? Yeah, so you just push those back up once the set is mounted. But what those are is you pull them down to that position, and then when you pull them like another quarter inch, it unlatches the latches so that you can take the TV off the wall. Oh, so you're not screwing around with a gear that's hidden behind the TV. No, there's nothing that's like that. actually yeah, pretty it just, smart. It's just like you, you take the set, you only have to catch the top catches, and the bottom like snaps in. And then when you pull those little circle dangly bits, there, you know, like rip cords sort of. Yeah, the dangly bits. Exactly. Um, then it unlatches the bottom and then you can pivot the TV again and then unhook it from the top. So it's, it's really well done. Cool. Um, I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it, everybody. That's our show. Thanks for watching. PCPro.com slash podcast. That's where you can go to find uh, the show notes, links to all the stories you talked about uh, and our picks and all that jazz. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe there, find our YouTube channel, uh, RSS, MP3 downloads. All that stuff exists, pcpro.com slash podcast. Um, and uh, I think everything is on track for us to have a normal episode tomorrow. Hey, good job, Ken, behind hey, the computers. Never switch to his own camera. I don't, have I don't think it's job. on. Probably not an accident, but that's fine. It's fine. I, no, when I do the podcast, I'm the man behind the monitors. None of this. <laughs> Alex, no let's point the camera at me. BS. It's fair enough. Fair enough. No PC perspective podcast. To the man behind the monitors. All right. That's it, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. See, see ya. ya.